0: Hello, I'm Karen Tushak, founder and CEO of Spider Silk Solutions, and welcome to Untangling the Webs. Today, I'm joined by friends of the show and Spider Silk Solutions, Amanda Julian and Kelsey Hahn, the co-founders of leadership development at Monarch. Kelsey and Amanda join us from Calgary, Alberta, where they work to develop powerful leaders and teams within organizations to help individuals feel fulfilled and empowered to pursue their purpose. Monarch uses science-based assessments, personal learning journeys, an on-demand community and engaging reminders to help team members grow critical leadership skills. Kelsey, Amanda, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having us, Karen, we're so (laughs) glad to be here.
0: So we'll get right into it. So we'd love for you to describe your personal journey with leadership and how has that impacted your decision to found Monarch together and the trajectory that it has taken?
1: Yeah, great. So, uh, my name is Kelsey. Um, and Amanda will will jump in here, and I'll start. But, um, you know, I could go all the way back, but I'll, I'll spare everyone. Um, Amanda and I have really spent kind of the, the last ten years helping, well, studying leaders in depth in kind of an academic setting. Um, we both come from academia and moved into practice kind of after academia, and so have spent time studying, but also helping hire, fire, assess, and advise all different kinds of leaders. Um, primarily, over the last eight years, we built together a boutique consulting firm and had a lot of um, experience building and working with executive leadership teams and organizations.
2: Um, and hi, I'm Amanda, and I will sort of take the baton, um, from where Kelsey left off. Um, so, so in, in our time at, uh, the boutique consulting firm within the family office that Kelsey was referencing, we'd had enough experiences where we would engage clients, um, in a really episodic manner. So we would sometimes work with leadership teams and conduct 360s. We would go away and we would come back, you know, a year later and realize not a whole lot had changed. Um, we would also had a proprietary organizational health and effectiveness assessment, um, so we would roll this out across organizations, and would what would happen is we would realize that whatever initiatives were being conducted at the top of house were just not trickling down to all levels of the organization. Um, and so from these observations and frustrations, I think, on our part, um, for not having the impact that we wanted, and, and observing that other people in this space were not having the impact
0: that we would want them to have either. Um, monarch was born. Yeah, that's That sounds great. I mean, so often, like I've done a ton of leadership courses and a ton of different types of assessments. And it's true. Often if there's no follow-up or continuation of it, it, you know, you try your best at the beginning, but if it's not a cultural thing at the organization you're working with, it's hard. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Like our core goal was really to go beyond that typical consulting offering. um, I think both Amanda and I kind of looked at each other when Monarch was started during COVID and said, okay, you know what, now's the time to take a chance. The world is being thrust into having to adopt digital technology in lots of different forms and ways. And so we knew that the timing was right. And yeah, we just could no longer be part of, you know, what we would kind of call the consulting the consulting operation where, you know, you're invoicing big bills, but not really able to show or evidence some sort of measurable impact.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I was talking to somebody about, you know, I did a session yesterday with some leaders, um, but it was hard. It was on Zoom and nobody turned their cameras on. (laughs) And it was like much different trying to get, you know, people energized when you're looking at black boxes than you're you're actually in person. (laughs) Seriously. So, Kelsey, you previously emphasized the importance of Monarch being mobile, on-demand, digital. Why Mm -hmm. is the technology solution so essential to leadership development? And how have you overcome challenges about implementing technology within organizations?
1: Yeah, so to answer the first part of your question, why is technology so essential to leadership development? So, you know, Amanda kind of touched on a couple of the problems, but one of the one of the really big problems in leadership development that we've seen is the scalability of it. Um, Oftentimes, and, and we had experienced this in our previous life. You know, when you're conducting leadership development, you're doing it at the very top of the house, C-suite. And the irony is that most people need leadership development the first time they become leaders, the very first time they become formal leaders. Now, that's not to say that um, leadership can't take place through influence or modeling. You don't necessarily have to be in a formal leadership position managing others to be a leader. Um, But, you know, there is certain training that should come with actually taking on formal managerial skills and so many people wouldn't get those until you know 15 years after becoming leader. And so what we really wanted to do was create a solution which you know best done through technology that could scale our training into the very front lines of an organization. Um I think you know in in doing that what we're trying to overcome is is this this fact that like people are not getting training in real time. So on demand um, and when they, when they need it. So when they actually become leaders, I think the, one of the, the, so the top two biggest methods of using, or sorry, top two forms of leadership development today in the world are executive coaching and instructor led courses. So traditional kind of classroom type of teaching. We are, our goal is to really, um, you know, create a different experience and overcome the shortcomings that both of those have, but also take the things from both of those um, types of interventions that work and blend them in a way that scales into the organization through technology. Um, and I and I'll just add one of the you know kind of funny things about leadership development and and in particular coaching is that we know we can replicate a lot of the things that humans do do well in coaching um we can replicate that in tech and leave leave the time that we do get to do kind of one-on-one or group coaching or or more kind of like high touch human experiences leave that time for really meaningful conversation and discussion um and so again kind of like taking the best of both worlds
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so true because I remember when I went into management, I was fortunate that I was working with, um, in-house and when I went into management, they automatically sent me to like the bank management course and they gave me a personal coach. And when I went back into the law firms, it was such a totally different experience because they would promote, you know, the best law clerk or paralegal into a manager role, but give them no management experience. Mm -hmm. And so I always said it was fortunate and, and it's so important that everybody gets that training, even if they're th- if that's one of their goals is to go into leadership, it's great mm-hmm. to get the training in advance to start understanding it. And I think the app, like I think Monarch's great. Like I've been working through it, and I think it's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, when developing Monarch, what did you learn about the lasting impacts of poor leadership, and how does your platform address those issues?
2: Um, so, I'll take this one. Um, So in our previous life as consultants, we we got to witness firsthand the effects of bad leadership. And then as researchers, uh, we've well acquainted ourselves with the literature and what that says about um, negative or bad leadership. And and that's honestly that's true at every level. So um, when you think about first time or middle level managers, they impact everything the the is particularly for those who report to them they impact you know the work life the home life the the health of their direct reports so there's um a pretty famous stat that came from researchers at Harvard Business School and Stanford that bad managers can be worse for your health than secondhand smoke um which is is pretty scary and crazy okay. um and then when it comes to bad leadership at the top of house well you can just take a look at your morning news feed you know we work well fargo so on um and you know, and so importantly for us, uh, we often talk about this age gap that Kelsey alluded to a little bit earlier. But the the average age when people first become leaders is thirty years old. Um, the average age of those uh, people who receive their first leadership training or development experience is forty two years old. So it's a twelve year age gap. Um, and you know, at our at
0: Monarch, our goal is
2: really to close this gap. We want to get people training um, when they need it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have a son who was in sales and then became a sales manager, took on 12 people with nothing, right? And so I'm signing him up for Monarch because he needs to, you know, you need to get that training somehow. (laughs) So definitely. (laughs) So Spider-Soak Solutions is so excited to be collaborating with Monarch on our new leadership training program that we're calling LEAD. So what is some advice that you would give to new users of Monarch and participants in LEAD to get the most out of the leadership training experience?
1: Yeah, we are very excited as well, Karen. (laughs) So um, especially because we, I think we we see a lot of the challenges in the legal industry, um, not only obviously for paralegals, but also for the lawyers themselves. And, you know, there's just so much opportunity to disrupt. And I think provide you know the work that you're doing is so valuable um, because it seems so absent in in so many parts of the legal space but when we work with organizations we look at successful implementation and adoption of the technology um we look at that through the lens of three factors and so we think there's kind of like three things that we have to get right and we have to have in order for the technology and the experience to be a positive one um positive um, really by by our measure in terms of being able to drive a measurable impact. So there's the three factors that I'm alluding to are one, um, the organization has to have the proper supports to be able to support and onboard the technology. Um, there's a role that we play as monarchs, so the provider and the technology itself. And then there's a role that a very, very important role that the individual learner or leader has to do themselves. So. I'll just kind of quickly talk about the the what we do component and is going to talk about the other two so as monarch um you know our goal as we've been talking about is really to make the learning piece um d- the delivery and the learning experience convenient a f- more effective process we're leaning into evidence-based um interventions so the things that science would suggest actually move the needle in ter- terms of driving positive behavior change and we're doing that in a way that's in a, in a modern and engaging way. So by getting people to engage in training in the flow of work more regularly in kind of a habit, in a habit based manner, um, we are able to drive behavior change because people are engaging in, in these kinds of things and practice oriented behaviors regularly and consistently versus what we like to say, maybe one time a year, you know, if that at all.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then I, I can just hop into. Um, so for the for the organization's role, um, like Kelsey was alluding to, you know, it's very important for companies to champion and support these types of initiatives if they want them to succeed. Um, so if the organization's leadership isn't endorsing the importance of this work, um, you know, if there's not a culture of learning and and curiosity and you know empowerment um so that individuals can feel like they can prioritize learning and self-development then it's it's just not going to produce the result that um that we could produce otherwise um and then the last the last piece is the learner's role so that's really where you know that's something that we try to communicate really clearly early on to users is that um you've really got to commit to the process you know we talk a lot actually about leadership development being similar to going to the gym Um, (laughs) so you know it requires continual commitment and effort and practice um and we can give you the tools but if you're not making a conscious effort to engage then really just like an unused gym membership you're just not going to get the results that you were hoping for
0: and that's so true because when i took my hr designation online I actually set up appointments in my calendar to do my studying, just like I would have going to the gym, right? So it, it, was, yeah. it was making that commitment to it and making sure I took that time every day to do it. So Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And then I think over time, as you build that habit, it becomes a little bit less strenuous and and it, like, just like, you know, when we start these new gym rituals where we're like going
0: to the gym and we're making time for that, it does get easier the more you do it. So that's, that's a nice thing as well. Absolutely. And I, I just did a course uh, that I taught on like, well, time management and, and more now priority management as opposed to time management and was talking about, you know, calendaring your tasks as opposed to to-do lists because mm-hmm. then, it, then it does become a ritual and a habit and, and you're just used to it and engaged in it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and the, the fun thing about, I think, where we are really providing, providing a, a great opportunity for users to do this daily is one of the key aspects of our of our platform is 5 minute micro lessons. So um we really make it so that there's absolutely no excuse for a learner to be engaging in their development every day. So it's 5, you know, all we're asking for is 5 minutes a day and that resonates quite a bit with our users. Um, but like Amanda said it is still work and so you do still have to put in the commitment. I think one of the myths in leadership in businesses is that okay, so now you've been promoted as a leader um and there's this kind of sense of you've arrived now you don't need to do anything you you're promoted to your your level of competence right so it's like you we're assuming you have the skill sets and the behaviors but that's actually i think what we are trying to drive is a little bit of a mindset shift which, which is leaders never arrive you know like the be, we talk about the best athletes in the world the best you know let's think about Connor mcdavid out west here um, <laughs> He's probably on the ice every day. He's probably on the ice right now, practicing and training. And he's arguably the best hockey player in the world. Um, same thing for leaders. You could be the best leader in the world. And I believe that the best leaders in the world are still very intentional
0: about how they show up and how they're growing. Yeah. Active learners. So, <laughs> um, so what, if, what activities have been critical um, to evolving your own leadership capabilities?
1: Yeah, I'll go first. So for me, um, I think there's no question. uh, This one probably applies to both Amanda and I, but given that our background has come from research, um, we've both always been very attracted to evidence-based materials and understandings. Um, That's not to say that we, um, we open our academic journals every day, but we have always been attracted to what the science suggests in terms of activities and interventions that work. Um, for me personally, it's also always been about putting in that consistent effort and committing to, to growing and learning. And particularly when learning those new skills or behaviors, finding time to practice them. Um, and when I've done, done or engaged in kind of some intentional practice, I try to build in some sort of mechanism to get clear feedback. So, you know, a, kind of a clear example of that, I remember the first time I had to, let somebody go on my team, Um, I intentionally brought a supervisor um, older than me, one of my mentors and my bosses into the conversation and had them kind of watch my behavior and watch me lead through the discussion. And then after that, I was very intentional about, you know, what did I do right? What could I do better? Um, And so just really trying to build in those kinds of feedback loops into my day to day. And then the last thing I'll say is um, just really good mentorship you know, and that's something that anyone can look to and find in their network. And um, I think that it's probably a very underutilized skill set for a lot of people as well. I think there's a lot of people out there that would be happy to be a mentor for somebody younger coming up.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. um, And I mean, I agree with everything Kelsey said. Um, I would also say, you know, so we talk a, a little bit in leadership development about these stretch assignments or experiences. So, Something that really pushes you outside your comfort zone and almost forces you to stretch in your your skills and your abilities, um, and it's a bit of like a growing experience. Um, and I would say that founding Monarch has been the absolute ultimate stretch assignment. So, <laughs> goes without saying um, that startup environments are challenging. It's you know high risk. Um, it's you know we we refer to VUCA, so uh, it stands for volatility, uncertainty, um, complexity, and ambiguity. I would say it's definitely a high VUCA environment everything kind of feels like it's on fire. Um, and as founders, you're really forced to navigate this delicate balance between your responsibilities in strategy and execution with your leadership responsibilities, um, you know, acknowledging like the utmost importance uh, of having an incredible team, which we do, um, and retaining them and getting them to buy into the vision. And um, and so doing all of this, you know, in this extremely like uh, volatile and uncertain environment has been, um, you know, definitely a learning experience for me. Um, Luckily, on the app, we teach our users about navigating uh, these types of environments, resilience, uh, being able to tolerate stress, uh, ambiguity. Um, And so so what we do is we try to apply these same
0: learnings to our own day to day. That's great. So as female founders, like I am, <laughs> what obstacles are still left to be tackled for inclusion and leadership and what tools or strategies have you found you know, useful to combat those obstacles?
1: Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, so I have two little girls. So when I, you know, not only are we, Amanda and I, um, women-led and very proud of it, um, I, feel, I feel a lot more personally invested, you know, for the long term in terms of how are we supporting our younger female leaders in the world. Um, Just a really quick side story on that. So I, I, and I think this just goes to show how much work we still have left to do. Um, My five-year-old came home a couple months ago, this happened. And, you know, I told her to go clean her room and she, you know, she started yelling at me and stomping her feet and saying, I don't want to clean my room. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. And I said, "Um, yes, I am. I am the boss in this house. And she said, No, you're not. Girls can't be bosses. He said, "Daddy is the boss in this house (laughs) because he's a boy." And I said, uh, "Okay, well, maybe you don't know your mother." You know, (laughs) this is like I I share this because I'm like this is the sentiment from a girl who has you know an uber feminist mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you know, I think we have a lot of work to do, and we see this as well in VC funding, right? Um, I think the stat is less than two percent of VC dollars goes to women-led companies. And yet the research is very clear in terms of how women outperform in many venture capital environments, how women outperform as leaders of companies. Um, be happy to direct any of your users to a lot of that research because it is very clear. Um, You know, there's, there's questions around, there's research that shows we get different questions, we are treated differently in work environments. And so I think part of it is understanding and being aware in terms of like what some of those biases are. I know something that we've done in particular is knowing what some of these biases are, for example, going into investor discussions or customer discussions, trying to really arm ourselves with what maybe some of those barriers or obstacles could be from from us moving forward or maybe closing that sale so so being prepared around what the biases are Um, i think some other tools um i think yeah with monarch that's the other piece is that so much of women advancement it or the lack of advancement is because of you know we tend to promote in organizations and tap people on the shoulders for those stretch opportunities that amanda was talking about people that look and act like us so historically that's going to be you know that's going to create more males in the in the work environment And so what are some ways that we can overcome that? Well, through Monarch, we have such a low cost and kind of low touch platform that our goal has really been to democratize access. There there is really no reason why anyone can and should not be able to receive proper training if they put their hand up and say, I am willing to commit the time and do this. And what, what, what we see is that if people are putting in the time and the effort through a platform like ours, um, inevitably it's going to create more opportunities for them in the long-term in their organizations.
0: Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity also to really have a female female mentor. Like I, you know, when I was at Denton's, I mean, Beth Wilson was, you know, the CEO and and Beth was such a fabulous mentor and leader and it it was, it really made a difference. And a, a lot of the management team now at Denton's is women leaders. And and I think that is part and parcel of the mentorship that Beth gave. Well, and
1: and to your point, like having, having that mentorship relationship and having someone to, to vouch for you and support you and, and push you, you know, to, to help you along in the organization. I know, like, certainly I wouldn't be where I am without strong female leaders ahead of me.
0: Yeah, definitely. So the one question I ask everybody at the as we're getting to the end of the podcast is, what is something that you tell your younger self now that you have years of experience? And Kelsey, maybe it's something you would tell your daughters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let I'll let Amanda go first. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's great.
2: Um, I yeah, it, I it it was an interesting process uh, of even just like thinking through my response to this and getting to reflect <laughs> back. Um, and you know i would say to to my younger self to to speak up more and to not be afraid to say the wrong thing um there have been countless times that i've been in meetings where i've had a thought and i've held myself back just on the off chance that i was wrong or that i was you know the perspective that i was bringing was not one that was shared um and i think that you know it's so important to have the confidence that whatever perspective you bring based on your experiences um, is worth sharing in any situation that you're in. And, um, you know, I think the research has been really clear that as women, we can sometimes be the ones to count ourselves out. Um, You know, there, for instance, there's research that shows that, you know, women are much uh, less likely to apply to jobs for, or to jobs where we don't meet all of the requirements compared to to our male counterparts. Um, And I just think it really requires a, a mindset shift on our part around um, the risk versus like the benefit the potential benefits of just always being willing to speak and put your hand up. and even if you make a mistake, like what is the worst thing that can happen? exactly
1: yeah, for me, um, I've thought a lot about it as well. I think the one thing i i I don't know when I learned this one, but it must have been five years ago or something that I realized whenever I started emails, you know, if I was getting back to someone like a few days later, then, I would have liked, I was always starting emails with, I apologize. And, and that like, you know, that's a small example of it, but I found myself apologizing a lot, you know, and just apologizing for, well, this is late and, or I'm not ready on this or whatever it is when the reality was, um, I didn't need to apologize. Right. It was, I think it was like the pressure I was putting on myself. And again, like the research would show that women do more of that, right. Where it's, it's not necessary um the second thing for me well they, these ones kind of go hand in hand but um always putting your hand up for everything um I've always said like I you know if there's an opportunity if somebody says hey would you like to be part of this would you like this or, or introduction do you want to meet this person do you want to go to this event I'm like the first one to put my hand up even if I don't have the time or capacity um there is something that you were going to get out of that experience even if it's just a lesson learned around not to do it again. (laughs) But I think there is always um, an opportunity to learn and to just put yourself in those situations, which is kind of like the last point, which for me is really leaning into things that make you uncomfortable. So kind of to Amanda's point, you know, um, you know, we kind of second guess ourselves and have a, are always as women in this position of well should I say that or should I not and I think it's just for me it's always been about leaning into uncomfortable situations when when I know that something feels uncomfortable for me that's when I know I need to spend more time reflecting on it maybe doing a little bit of learning talking to someone about it but absolutely not running away from that opportunity or that experience
0: that was great thank you both for that <laughs> I I also found myself even this morning, starting an email with, I'm sorry. And I I went back and said, okay, why am I doing that? Like, I shouldn't be saying I'm sorry. Like I, maybe I am a bit late with something, but it's not that I'm sorry. It's just, let's just get into it. Cause you won't see that from men. Men.
1: (laughs) And the reality is we're all busy, right? Everybody understands we're all busy. We're all doing lots of things. Nobody's sitting there thinking, oh, well, they're not getting back to me. Um, I just think as women, we have this tendency to to try to always overcompensate,
0: yeah. And in the law firm environment, though, it is really difficult because you know a majority of the you know paralegals, law clerks, um, legal assistants are women, um, and and get that pressure all the time that I need to respond right away, I need to get back right away, right? So it it is a learning experience for them.
1: Right, yeah,
0: yeah, that's, it's even, it's a little bit worse in that <laughs> environment. Than, <yeah. laughs> thank well, thank you both so much for joining me today and helping to untangle the web surrounding technology and leadership development. Um, find Monarch on the Apple Store or Google Play, visit Lead by Spider Solutions to explore Spider Solutions leadership course in collaboration with Monarch to develop, you know, powerful leaders. Um, and that's it for this week. So thank you all for joining as we continue to untangle the web surrounding law and legal tech. Bye for now.
1: For more information about Spider Silk Solutions or implementing legal technology, visit our LinkedIn at Spider Silk Innovative Solutions, Inc. or Instagram at Spider Silk Solutions. Join us again next week as we discuss
0: automating legal processes with Mike O'Connor and Amir Rashef.